Hello once again everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 78 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. Once again you're put in charge of defending the Earth from an extraterrestrial incursion, only this time you have an army at your command and the backing of the world's leaders, at first anyway. And when the action kicks off, it's your wits and tactical nous that will be tested rather than your reactions. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Foreman. That's Sergeant Foreman to you, Rookie. Yes, I should have come up with some amusing uh, rank-based shenanigans here. So uh, here's... uh, Actually, uh, James Carter is my super medic in my game. Um, Yeah, medical skills not ratified by the British Medical Association. I should point out. <laughs> uh, yes, I think you're your top rank uh, medic now, um, and uh, you have uh, multiple squirts of the magical sponge, See, the medical sponge. I always want to be the cool sniper, and I end up being the reliable medic. It's just life, I guess. Yeah, it suits you. It's your magic touch, man. <laughs> yeah. Support class, James. And uh, coming in last is the fresh-faced rookie, Joshua Garrity. Yeah, I always die early on, and then you just remake me again. It's it's fine. not the same. It's not the same as as your parents would probably say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, what I've what I've been doing, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about this, the whole troop uh, affiliation thing. But um, by by random generation, they come out as all different nationalities. You've got a United Nations of troops from all over the world, and um, that's one element that I don't think you can edit is their nationality. So I only I know this is silly, but I only um, rename the ones with. Uh, the nationality of people who I know. So if it's uh, like I don't know any Argentinians in real life, so the Argentinian ones keep their their default names. But say if there was a Scott, it could be Darren, it could be James. Uh, and I had one American troop that was Sean, Sean O'Brien. He didn't last very long. Uh, still waiting for some British. I haven't had a British troops uh, British troop in my current game. So we should, as yet, should just I'm... say until the vote on independence, Scotland still counts as Britain. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Um, it's separate, I, isn't it, in the I game? I found it uh, as well. Irish and Scottish uh, troops came up relatively often for me, but English mm. uh, flags were rare to be seen. Cowardice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe maybe the, the uh, Englanders are particularly good at uh, being the generals higher up, giving the orders. Ah, uh, yes. Politicians and uh, the higher ups in the army. 
Uh, I thought we'd issue a spoiler warning for this one just because although there's very little plot as such, uh, there is an end game that is spoilable, I think it's fair to say. So uh, there you have it. If you don't want to find out kind of where XCOM ends up, you might if you listen to this podcast. I don't think it would spoil your enjoyment of the game though, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. So our histories with XCOM and the XCOM franchise and indeed the games that begat it, uh, because I want to at least mention those without you know going into too boring a list of games but there is an interesting history and one that i you know i've followed since the start so darren foreman is this your first XCOM or no nope, i'm a veteran in this regard okay um i bought the original game on the playstation ah um, uh, yes i didn't have like my own pc at the time because this is getting way back and uh, i went into a place in peterhead and uh, grabbed this up and i actually loved this game you know mm. the original version of it and it took ages to load, and like it had an amazing uh, intro as well. Like mm. you should def- definitely check that out on YouTube. But it was just one of those surprise kind of games. I mean, I've always liked strategy games, and I was particularly fond of them back then. And this one basically hit all the right notes. You know, I just loved the. I liked the mingling of like on-field action and particularly the backstage kind of stuff. You know, juggling your finances and making sure that you were still keeping everyone sweet so they would keep increasing their budget. Really, really, really got into it, and I've. I'd been anticipating this one quite highly, because I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just enjoyed the, I like this tactical kind of stuff in the field quite a bit, but um, what really kind of got me was all the background juggling that you had to do with your budget and your finances and making sure you had enough inventory, and it was just a completely, to me, it was a fairly new kind of, pretty much its own subgenre of the tactical genre, and I really enjoyed it, so I was really looking forward to the new one. Yeah, uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the the other XCOM reboot that is we're still waiting for. But um, but first, uh, James, what about you and XCOM? Um, I'd, I'd heard a lot about it, but I'd never played uh, the original or uh, the other two games. I think that came after that. Um, uh, so there's there's quite a few actually, right, but okay. um, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's two, two two sort of proper sequels. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I heard a lot about it, and um, once this had been an- this new game had been announced, I um, picked up the original in a Steam sale and tried. Maybe the first mission died horribly, mm. and thought, okay, mm. I've I've set my sights appropriately on what to expect. Come XCOM Enemy <laughs> Unknown. Uh, so I didn't get too far into it, just far enough to get an idea of of what the game might be a little bit like. Yeah. Now, uh, Josh, I know I'm sorry to do this to you, but uh, how old were you in 1994? Uh, four years old. <laughs> okay, so XCOM was probably a bit beyond you. So how many times stage. had you finished it by the time this was all around? <laughs> yeah, um, so I yeah, I haven't played the original XCOM, but I have played a lot of games that owe a lot to it. I, I've played a lot of strategy RPGs like... Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Valkyria Chronicles, and stuff like that. And I've heard about XCOM a lot um, ever since I've gotten really embedded in the gaming scene. You can't go two minutes um, uh, talking about strategy games without somebody bringing up uh, bringing up XCOM. So when it was announced, this uh, new effect, like sort of remake, was coming out. It kind of piqued my interest. Felt like a good point to enter the series for somebody who'd uh, never played it before. Yeah, so my history is kind of all the other end of the spectrum because I started playing uh, Rebel Star Raiders, which was the first of the Gollop Brothers games that, that sort of became, that moved into this. Um, I don't think I played it in 1984, 
um, but I think I would have played it around 86, 87. Um, I don't actually, to be honest, I don't know the difference between the original Rebel Star Raiders and Rebel Star. I think there wasn't much between it. It may have just even just been a repackaging. I'm not sure, but um, I used to go around my friend's house and play Rebel Star, and I thought it was amazing um, because generally back in the mid-80s, um, tactical strategy games were incredibly um, sort of difficult to get into they tended to be hexagon based and they tended to be very sort of militaristic and and complex and obtuse and uh, you needed to read sort of 300 page manuals to be able to understand what was going on but rebel star it, you know it played in we're still only at this point a few years past uh, the, the original star wars trilogy and you know sci-fi is still very much playing on my teenage mind and it was fantastic to be able to order around this this squad of characters and and this the sort of dice roll to see um i guess we we didn't kind of dissect it as much as that back in the day but i understood that this when you when you asked a trooper to fire you know you had action points and and they had stats and and the the chances of them hitting with their shot was down to stats and stuff and there was this real tension and and um yeah the sort of juggling of of um resources and stuff like that it wasn't to the same depth that XCOM did it later um i missed rebel star 2 but then laser squad came along in 88 and um a, my friend who we had shared hours of playing rebel star together he immediately bought laser squad i couldn't get it for my computer because i had a, an atari 800 which didn't have so many um, british games on it uh laser squad was um sort of more sophisticated and up to the ante a bit in the meantime uh there were a couple of fantasy themed ones around the same uh sort of engine idea also by the gollops uh, julian and nick um chaos and lords of chaos neither of which i've ever played i must confess um whether they'll get I, I think there may be plans for an update by them i'm not sure um so when ufo enemy unknown as it was known originally came along in 94 uh i was hugely excited um because i knew i knew of its its ancestry and um my girlfriend at the time and i uh, rushed out and bought it for the amiga and we waited as the aliens took their turn for up to 20 minutes at a time <laughs> uh and uh we thought it was amazing but it was uh the frame rate was incredibly slow um there was a pc version which probably ran somewhat better um and if you if you run it on a pc now via steam or, or whatever you, you it runs at max maxed out frames um it's uh, crazy fast but um it was it was a bit of a slog um that's almost asynchronous play if you've got to wait 20 minutes until you can take your next turn i mean it sort of added to the tension but it was you know it, it completely unacceptable by today's standards obviously and then the um, last guy at the tunnel would wipe out your entire squad well and that was it it was you know we'll talk about it but it, it was a people talk about this version of XCOM being cruel and unfair <laughs> you should try playing the original um it was way harsher way more daunting way there was a lot more randomness to it um i mean one of the key things that changes is in in this in the reboot you have to kind of trigger enemies by uh sort of going near them a lot of the time but in in the original they would pretty much be plonked on the map from the start and they would start doing what you know whatever their ai was telling them to do um they might they might there might be one right underneath the ship after you land and of course in the original you had to actually ma manually uh dismount from your from the sky ranger so you you could actually walk be you could be not even out of the ship and if there was a if there was a nasty alien right nearby if he had opportunity on 
you were you were screwed. That was it, and and it was it was proper harsh. It's exactly what happened to me at the end of the one level I did play. Was I took two yeah. uh, two squaddies out of the ship and sort of scouted around. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, an alien snuck round to the hangar door of my ship and just annihilated everyone. Yeah, and it, it was extraordinary. Also, famously, there was a lot of being shot from out of your field of view. Um, yep when you had no idea there was ever uh, an enemy there at all yeah absolutely um and also it was whereas in in the in the reboot if they miss they just miss which actually makes a lot more you know it makes generally makes a lot more sense and looks less ridiculous but if the if the behind the scenes dice roll was that far off in the original and if you had a low enough percentage chance to hit your guy might shoot like sort of almost like 98 degrees in the wrong direction or something and and or like straight up in the air or, or something like that they won't just graze them with a bullet um and of course that led to a lot of you know you could shoot your friends in the back of the head and all this sort of stuff so you know there are a lot of um hopefully darren and i will sort of comment on some of the tweaks and changes that have been made it's it's something that you know I completely understand why they've why they've done a lot of them. There's a few of them that I think maybe they should have left as they were, but generally most of it's completely understandable. Mm. Uh, so they followed that up. XCOM Terror from the Deep, often referred to as a sequel, it's almost more like a data pack. It it's so similar to the original, uh, other than the aliens are underwater. It's a change of uh, textures, basically. Yeah, uh, it's. Now, here's another interesting factoid about the original uh, UFO Enemy Unknown or XCOM UFO Defense. Um, it's got a bug in it which persists to this day, which is that uh, when you start a new game, you are offered, I think it's, it might be seven difficulty levels, certainly at least five, possibly more. Um, no matter what you select, it defaults always to the lowest one. So all that talk that anyone's ever said about how hard the original UFO or XCOM is, they've only ever played it on the lowest difficulty setting. Um, you can, there, there is a fan-made mod or patch for it, which you can apply even to the Steam version to change that. I have no idea how difficult the, the, the higher settings must be, but I find it hilarious that there's a there's a difficulty up from the normal in the reboot called classic which is based on the easiest difficulty setting of the original uh, that's uh, that's quite something um xcom apocalypse came along in 97 now i own two copies of this but i never managed to get into it it's uh, they changed a lot of stuff it looked completely different it had uh, very different style and the gameplay it was no longer properly asynchronous it had this sort of real-time pseudo real-time sort of aspect to it it wasn't an action game it was still a strategy game cannon but it was it was a it wasn't quite like cannon fodder no i haven't played it it's um i was kind of disappointed with terror from the deep so i kind of my interest in the series died a little bit, so I skipped this one. That was what I was going to say about Terror from the Deep as regards the difficulty. Most people say, I only dabbled with Terror from the Deep, um, most people say that it was much, much harder than the original, and I suspect that's because of the difficulty settings. The simple fact that if that bug wasn't in the sequel, then people probably selected like normal, thinking, oh, I've played XCOM before, and of course it's actually four difficulty settings up from what they were mm -hmm. playing the original one, so um, that's probably what happened there. So XCOM Apocalypse... Um, interesting game but uh yeah i don't think people it, people don't have the same affection for it it did get a nine out of ten in edge as i recall um and then of course uh 
the Gollops returned to Laser Squad and Rebel Star with Laser Squad Nemesis, which was um, a sort of asynchronous turn-based strategy tactical game, very similar to XCOM, um, but race-based. So there were four different types of, uh, you know, humans, aliens, and robots, and something else. Um, and uh, that was pretty good. That was quite well received. It's very much like Frozen Synapse, if you've played that. I do love the uh, name, Laser Squad. Yeah, Laser Squad. Well, yeah. See, it, 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 it sounds so it is, you know. It's just bound to appeal to me. That was cool. There was, an, there was an XCOM email game by Hasbro as well, which was a similar idea. came before that. And then they returned to Rebel Star on the Game Boy Advance in 2005 with Rebel Star Tactical Command, and it had sort of um, pseudo-Japanese uh, cutesy super-deformed graphics. Namco released it. And it's actually a decent little pocket sort of version of the whole Rebel Star Laser Squad XCOM thing. Um, but it, it is, again, brutally difficult, like really, really tough. Um, but worth checking out. You can, I think you can find it fairly cheap now. And the other one we must mention before we get on to the main feature is that XCOM shooter reboot that was announced three years ago now. So, so some kind of collaboration between 2K and Irrational? Are Irrational still involved? Were they involved? I, I don't... Uh, not last I heard. I thought it had been handed over to... Various 2K studios. at one point were involved. But yeah, yeah. seemed like almost Bioshock's 2 style. It was, uh, it was a collaboration between several studios. So XCOM fans were, as I recall, and based on my feelings, like, oh wow, they're bringing XCOM back. Oh. It's a no, fairly... no, they're not. Was the response? I think mostly that that exactly, uh, that yeah. Footage got, yeah. So apparently, it's been in development since two thousand six, which doesn't bode that well. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, it's still happening. Uh, there was a an announcement yesterday. That's the twenty fourth of April, saying that details are incoming. There's a rumor that it's been retitled to the Bureau. Um, so it may not even be XCOM related anymore. But um, last time we saw it, it was very sort of. Um, 50s style um, sort of espionage um, men in suits almost like Mm. a sort of um, FBI. Yeah, it kind of looked like a 1950s men in black sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. kind of thing. Definitely still had aliens involved, but it looked a bit more like it might be uh, FBI agents discovering, you know, first contact and that Mm. sort of thing. There was always, uh, I don't necessarily have anything against the idea of, of spin-offs from the series there was in fact um a game called XCOM Enforcer back in 2001 which was a, a, a action um XCOM game of a similar nature and there was an XCOM in- Interceptor as well which was a, a kind of um a mixed bag of space shooter and resource management stuff so it's not like you know it, it it's it's somewhat annoying when the when the purists are kind of going oh well you know the, the, this would have never happened in my day well it did actually mm. um we you know there were mediocre spin-offs into other genres of all kinds of game but i've i, I didn't necessarily have anything against the idea and the XCOM series has always had a little leaning into that whole kind of hokey 50 sci-fi with the UFOs and the little green men and all that sort of thing and I, and i i like that um but I suppose the frustration, the disappointment was that they would just make that game and not make what we all wanted, which was a reboot of the original game that would play nicely and look decent on modern systems. Well, and of course, the, the big problem with it is that um, to trade on the name XCOM with a game that doesn't evoke what people remember XCOM being when that style of turn-based strategy game called XCOM no longer exists uh, at a certain yeah. point you've got to ask why are they calling it XCOM unless there is still 
a, a franchise to spin off from almost i guess and, and there and there wasn't at that point and yeah very good point and it may be that they've decided against it by the you know by if this rumor is true yeah. they've actually I mean, they they've taken it away from when that. they first uh, announced that actually there was going to be an XCOM and then the and the shooter was also in um in production uh, it wasn't too much later than that that the news of dust um 514 came out and th- right. i mean there is there is room to think hang on is there a possibility you could here have the the shooter being the the men on the ground while the and in some way interacting with Ooh. the turn-based strategy um it would be obviously a massively different uh task and challenge to to do that but yeah th- that that's sort of the the theory i guess behind them wanting to make it a, sh- a shooter I don't think they would ever actually tie the two games together, but if they did, it might be something at least interesting. It could be quite interesting, wouldn't it? If you if you you basically um, you select a a squad, you know, you build up your troops, as in yeah. you you hire them, and then you you do all the res- research and stuff to equip them with the stuff, and then that information is handed mm-hmm. to a server, and then if the right, you know, a a squad of five people or whatever jump on that server, they, they get given mission. Yeah. they get given that that set of equipment and they have to do that mission and then when when they finally played it you you get the results of of how it went kind mm. of thing there are all kinds of logistical problems but it sounds yeah, like yeah. a fascinating Noob idea 42 pulled out a grenade in the first two minutes and blew up his squad yeah. well that would be so but that would be so appropriate for yeah. xcom yeah. <laughs> It'd be absolutely spot and you wouldn't feel that you were at the mercy of a dice roll i mean the dice rolls are supposed to represent real life uh sort of random occurrences um, but you would have the results of however your team had had done, and yeah, if someone had <laughs> had, had uh, taken out their entire squad with a grenade before they even got out of the the ranger, then so be it. That's what happened. And yeah, you yeah. would accept that. That's war. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've actually just reminded me of the of the first of probably several uh, points where I say, ah, oh, that was something that was different in the original. Mm. Um, the uh, the grenade mechanic, whereas now you choose grenade, you lob the grenade, it pretty much generally goes exactly where you want it to. Um, in the original, you had to set the amount of turns before it would detonate, so you could you could screw that up and have it blow up in your hand or, or whatever things like that. Um, yeah, sort of extra tactical considerations. I completely forgot. I got so wrapped up in the history of XCOM and um, and all that to say that. Uh, I shouldn't really be on this issue of cane and rinse, by all accounts. Uh, by by, according to my own self-imposed rules uh, and regulations of cane and rinse, I have never finished uh, a, an XCOM game, um, and I'll briefly go into why. So I had the Amiga original, uh, played it quite a lot, um, but I think in the end just got ground down by the the time it took to wait for the aliens' turn. Uh, and then, probably not long after I was playing that, I got a PlayStation, and it was an early an early title. A lot of people played it on the PlayStation, so I got the PlayStation version, and I played the shit out of it. Um, I played it all the way up until the, and this is where the spoiler comes in, the mission to Sidonia to infiltrate the enemy home base and win the game. Uh, I was pretty much at the stage of preparing for that. Now, people will remember that, uh, might remember that the PlayStation version save file took up one whole memory card. 
um, in the same way that Animal Crossing did on the GameCube. So you had a full memory card, and that's uh, that was fine. You know, I had a few memory cards. But uh, after a while, digressing here, but there was a device that was a, that was released for a PlayStation where for, for people who had a crazy amount of games, um, it was a thing that plugged into the memory card slot, but it was actually a floppy disk drive. So floppy disks would become your PlayStation memory cards. Uh, so I had a save game for XCOM on a floppy disk, um, which corrupted. So uh, I could no longer finish that game. That was quite upsetting. Um, so yes, then years went by. I, I started playing it once or twice again, never got as far, a li little bit disheartened, started playing Apocalypse, played Laser Squad Nemesis and so on and so forth. Um, then when XCOM came out the end of last year, I bought the XCOM, uh, the Xbox 360 version and uh, hammered it for a few days. Didn't quite get to the end. In fact, quite away from the end, I think. I got to the Invade Alien Base um, event but I was, I understood that you needed to be very prepared to take that on because a lot of people were saying that if you took that on as soon as it became available, you were going to get slaughtered. Um, and then the game got put to one side in favour of other things and, and whatever, I got distracted. Uh, then I got a PC recently and XCOM was a pre-order bonus for Bioshock Infinite, so I wanted to start playing it again on the PC and my plan was to have the game finished in time for this podcast but on Tuesday, my Windows decided to corrupt and I lost about 14 hours, uh, about half of which would have been XCOM time, maybe more. Uh, then I had to go up to London yesterday and that was that. So I ran out of time. So I'm very sorry. I've played hundreds of hours of XCOM, but I've never finished it. So there, there it is. There's a sorry tale. Um, don't worry, regular listeners. This is not the start of us going back on our... Uh, pledge to finish games before we talk about them by and large but I feel like I've played enough XCOM to to, to qualify and also there was no way I was going to miss this show. Anyway apologies. But it was also one other Julian Gollop game that you didn't mention. Which one was that? That would be the Ghost Recon on the 3DS Shadow Wars. Yeah good point That that's kind of related it's a game I've been meaning to buy so have you played that? I have got it it's very good. Is yeah, it? Yeah, is, it is it up Oh, you got it too. Is it is it up there with with this? I know Gollop has nothing to do with this XCOM reboot, um, but is it is it similar to play? Or? Um, it's a tactical game. There's not the same kind of back end stuff that's largely gone. There is experience points for your troops. You can level them up and get new equipment as it becomes available. But there's no base building or anything like that. You know, it is very much yes. your squad going into the field and taking out uh, enemy installations. And for a three DS tactical game, it's extremely good i would recommend it yeah it's uh it's generally between sort of eight and twelve pounds um i've been meaning to pick it up for ages it was a 3ds launch game i think wasn't it very close to launch at least yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so um yeah pick it up, um in hushed tones and not betraying my opinion of xcom enemy unknown at all i actually prefer it to this wow okay so then xcom enemy unknown was announced quite late before it arrived wasn't it it was only announced a few months before it was released and it was very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I seem to remember it getting at least some kind of pre-launch hype, but between being announced and actually coming out, it didn't seem that long, so couldn't tell the exact dates, but it was a lot faster than the the shooter version. Yeah, apparently it was in development going way back. Yeah, it was really strange because when they actually announced it and said, oh, it's been in development all along, it was almost an apology for having announced the shooter <laughs> and not announced this, but... 
that being the case, why didn't they announce this? It, it's almost like they didn't want one to get in the way of the other, and they figured the shooter mm-hmm. was the way to uh, just... It was a bit of a mess, I think it's safe to say, and I think the fact that we haven't seen the Bureau or XCOM or whatever it's going to be called, mm. uh, and it's been through several iterations of different games entirely, probably says that that was causing the problem, because from the moment this was announced until it came out, the the message was clear. This was going to be a hark back to the original XCOM. It was going to be an update, and, and you know it was going to tickle all the same... Uh... I think what's interesting is, since uh, this... Uh, this game came out it's become a quite a critical and financial success but also singularity uh came out uh that year and that was an example where they kind of just went ahead with turning a strategy game into a first person shooter and it completely bombed so i wonder what kind of message that sent to 2k whether pursuing this uh first person <laughs> xcom game is even worth it yeah, unfortunately, uh, perhaps it's unfair because it's obviously it's a different studio with a with a different track record. But when you when you hear of first person shooters that have been in de- in development since two thousand six, you start thinking of uh, you know games like Duke Nukem Forever and Aliens Colonial Marines. Not that, that was in development that far back, but you know what I mean. That's a tortured development cycle. First person shooter. Um, now two K have they they have one of their very own um, in in XCOM, don't they? Yeah, it, yeah. it just doesn't doesn't board well yeah you tend to think about aged assets and and gameplay from you know seven years ago or whatever but we shall see the jury is out we may end up doing a cane and rinse on it in in two years time or something who knows but um thankfully uh, the most exciting thing about the XCOM enemy unknown reboot announcement for me was the fact that Firaxis Firaxis were doing it um now we haven't done a civilization cane and rinse yet I'm sure it's inevitable sometime uh, and again obviously that's a game with a 20 something year history longer if you trace it back to the board game uh but Firaxis have recently been in charge of civilization and done a cracking job of making you know especially i think uh civ rev which is just a really sublimely implemented console strategy game and i just as soon as i heard it was them it was like yes they're gonna nail this Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Civ Five and the way they've been supporting that game and adding new features to it. Um, it, it just it really boded well for what XCOM would become. I have no idea who Firaxis are. <laughs> Firaxis are well, Sid, Sid Meier, who's obviously an industry legend, one of the Microprose founders. Um, so Microprose were the people who released the original. XCOM back in the day, the UFO Enemy Unknown back in '94. Um, so you know, there's a there's a there's a darn good connection there. Uh, Sid Meier's responsible for some of the greatest games ever made, such as uh, Railroad Tycoon and Pirates, and uh, obviously Civilization. Sid Meier's Pirates. Indeed, he's he's one of those who gets his name on the box. Uh, and to this day, still attached to the in a titular way, as it were, to the um, to the Civilization games as well. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What an egomaniac uh, that man is! <laughs> I think yeah, there's there was a strange one, was it? I think was it um, Sid Meier's uh, Sim Golf, which was actually more of a Will Wright game. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, 
Uh, it's a strange business. I don't know whether he's like a... The, 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 the difference is that unlike America McGee, Sid Meier's earned it. He's made like 20 years of legendary games rather than two slightly mediocre games, you know. And that's not fair on Alice Maddish Returns, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so this came out for the, the big three formats of the age, PC 360 and PS3. And... This wasn't planned, genuinely, but the Mac version is out today, the 25th of April 2013. I didn't know that until earlier. Uh, and excitingly, I think, an iOS version for iPad and iPhone is coming in the summer. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think it could work. Yeah, no, I, I think it's perfectly suited to that format. I can see exactly how they can implement the controls to work on a touchscreen. So um, there are a lot of names attached to this. Sid Meier isn't one of them. Um, there are a lot of designers, the lead of which is Jake Solomon, a lot of programmers, the lead of which is Casey O'Toole, and a lot of producers even, the lead of which is Garth DeAngelis. Um, one name that did stand out, because as soon as I turned the game on for the first time, I was hoping that they would have reprised the original intro music. But instead, I appeared to be playing Deus Ex Human Revolution again. <laughs> Uh, because the music is identical to that game almost, um, and so it comes as no surprise to learn that the composer is Michael McCann, the same fellow. Um, it's very similar. Yeah. It, it is, but it, it kind of feels appropriate, uh, if that makes any sense. I, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I don't hate it. It's just too. It's too close. Yeah. I, I just, it just you know, because I, I like the Deus Ex Human Revolution music. I, I thought it's really good soundtrack. score. Yeah, it's a good yeah. soundtrack, um, but it's a bit weird having it almost note for note in XCOM as well. I think it was lacking in inspiration. Um, I would have liked some more theremins and things like that to make it more kind of uh, sci-fi. Yeah, you know, a prog rock more. epic. Prog rock, yeah. <laughs> I love the fact, what I will say, fair play to him, I love the fact that he used um, the little piano signature, which is in the original intro uh, for the appearance of Aliens, the little... That little diddle little, 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 I can't do it, but piano, uh, a few few tinkles on a piano to signify that you've kind of alerted some aliens to your presence. That's great. So how does, uh, without teaching grandmother to suck eggs, how does XCOM play out then? How does it work? Um, so you start off in the geoscape and that's where you build your bases and manage your resources and intercept UFOs. Would somebody care to, in pithy terms, explain how that works? Uh, it's a bit like the Batcave, I suppose. You've just got this nice. whole underground um, that has bays in it that need to be dug out and um, and can be filled with whatever you like. Uh, it may be an army of clowns. It may be something a little more practical <laughs> and useful. Um, no, it, you've got, you see sort of side on as if it were, I don't know, is Samantha reasonably good uh, way of looking at it? You've got a sort of cutaway <laughs> yeah. like you would have Hive. if you had a, a, a mm. tank with, with ants in it. Um, a cutaway look, at, yeah, like a um, an ant nest or a hive or something. And you can see the, the bays that you have available to put different um, facilities in. Uh, and you need to manage energy and troops and research and um, engineering and stuff like that. And, and use your space accordingly so right from the off you know exactly what space you've got available to you um and as you go you will you'll need to use that and need to plan ahead a bit to make sure that your space is used effectively so you've got uh yeah so you've got to think about powering the whole thing and you've got different levels of generators from your regular generator uh then you can you can put one over a steam vent naturally occurring in the rock uh you can uh thermal generator that is 
then there's as you start gaining alien technology this is where a huge part of the game comes in which is researching and developing on your existing tech by using the alien tech which is just such a fantastic idea and it's just such a it's it's probably i think i find it more compelling than a sort of the 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 standard sort of leveling up mechanic of an rpg where it's like right i've got this many xp now i go to the next level kind of thing this is like i have i have shot down this kind of ufo and i've retrieved certain pieces of technology from it therefore I can then research this kind of technology or I've captured this alien alive so I can learn about how they make that particular armor that they're using or and there's so many options aren't there I've also got to say that I love the way that these uh, research programs tend to work out it's like if we had enough time to actually research this properly we could probably do a lot more with it but fuck it let's just yeah. throw your guys in the field I think they might be able to survive a little bit better with them yeah, that's it. There's the, as well as juggling resources, which is a huge amount of what the game is about. It is there is this constant stress and pressure of time because you're con the other thing that you're juggling is the panic level of the nations. Um, now it has been pointed out that there is a an uh, perhaps a flaw in the design in the sense that the more panicked a nation gets, the more likely it is to withdraw funding. When in fact maybe in reality they should give you more money the more panicked they are rather than going well you're not doing a very good job right we're off what are you gonna how are you gonna deal with the alien threat now you've got rid of XCOM? well but, that's, um... that's the thing i mean like in the original it was if a country was getting the shit blown out of it the aliens had agents going in and trying to say look um if you scratch your backs we'll stop blowing the fuck out your populace so in instead of gaining extra money you were trying to stop the aliens currying favour with, with that nation by keeping them well protected. You were going for money, but their entire reason for giving up wasn't that they were um, you know, they were too scared to continue and they didn't think the XCOM project was worth it. Right. It's just that they juggled the balance in the, with the fact that you were leaving them to get pounded and the aliens were uh, making backdoor deals with them. Right. Okay. <laughs> so at a certain point their their allegiance almost switched to... to Pretty much. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It, there's a certain amount of cowardice in it, their decisions, but, um, yeah. you know, like, basically, if you're leaving France to fend for itself, uh, and they can get out of it another way, it kind of makes sense. They will, yeah. And I certainly agree, even though, obviously, they're going to end up enslaving the human race. So one of the huge differences uh, with the original compared to this is the fact that the first decision you make in the original game is where to put your base, in, anywhere in the world, on any landmass. Uh, and that was a Down to the very pixel. Yes, indeed. And that, that was a tactical decision in in itself, because if you shot down UFOs over the sea, which you could, they were lost. Um, so you wouldn't be able to follow up with the Sky Ranger and send your troops in and, and get the stuff or capture the aliens or anything. Um, so generally you want you wanted to put your base over a large landmass. So the Russia, uh, you know, former Soviet Union or or, or the Americas. Um, in this game, you start with a base in America and you only have one base. Um, um, you can actually select where you want to put it. Oh, sorry, my mistake. Yes, um, you're quite right. It depends how you start. Yeah. I believe that if... Continent. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if it's the... There is a way you start out where you're kind of forced to go to um, America. That's right. Um, I think it might be the tutorial or something like that, but if you... Yeah, you're given a choice of, of missions to take. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my bad. Um, but it's a, it's obviously it's massively sort of restricted tactical choice compared to the original. It's fine, you know, a lot of people would have selected a USA base or a Europe base in, in the first game anyway. 
Um, but again, it, you could you could set up an Antarctic base or, or a South Pole base in the original as well as your original base. Um, it was not unheard of at all in the original game for people to set up pure manufacturing bases. Um, that's another thing that's been lost from this. So it was incredibly profitable in the first game to uh, make certain items. So although you can now build uh, weapons based on uh, the tech that you discover, so you, you go up from your standard assault rifle and stuff through laser and plasma and, and various other things, you improve your arc machine which captures aliens and so on in the original game you could manufacture laser pistols for i don't know say 20 financial units a time and sell them at 120 financial units a time and that would give you more money to buy more interceptors make more bases expand your satellite range and so on whereas in this game it's these are the elements that have been kind of streamlined and stripped back I think streamlines very much the word because you do have the grey market and and once you no longer need or or have a massive excess of one or more of your uh, scavenged resources you can sell them on and you do get mm -hmm. requests from countries to provide them with say laser pistols or um, whatever it may be and it's up to you to decide whether you have enough of those in stock or can make them in time um, yeah. to to fulfil those sort of mini contracts almost. I think the game as uh, as a whole, the stuff we're talking about now, like managing resources and stuff like that, I think it does a really good job of conveying the desperation of the situation. You know mm. how panicked the Earth is through mo uh, through mechanics rather than explicit storytelling sequences. You feel like, oh my God, we're going to be taken over because I've only got ten dollars in my bank account and I desperately <laughs> need to buy this piece of armor because I know there's just going to be a bunch of mutons in the next mission who are just going to kill all my troops and it was really nice seeing a game not feel the need to um you know throw that in your face and say oh my god panic stations panic stations it just conveyed that through its mechanics and it didn't need anything else it, it does become almost a, a hilarious sort of family budgeting system whereby you get to the tenth of the month, and all your money's gone, and you've got twenty mm. days to last until you next get paid. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's sort of, although instead of just maybe we won't be able to to buy food in the last week of the month, it's um, three countries are going to leave us, and we're all going to die horribly <laughs> at the end. Of the Can't month. even recruit a soldier for yeah. for ten dollars. Yeah, um, yeah. If it helps, Darren, imagine six zeros after those numbers, and then you've got millions. Mm. I don't know, it's just like the entire economy seems different somehow. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I do appreciate, as I say, I appreciate the streamlining, I appreciate the fact that this is a modern game designed to, to sell copies to people and not put them off with it with its depth and complexity. Because but they're scared of zeros. No, not that. I'm talking more about the sort of Overall, the, the yeah. lack of the lack of ability to build multiple bases and, and things like that. And, and the one aspect that I think I really miss um, that has gone from the original... Unless I just haven't got there yet, but I don't think so because it wouldn't work. Um, now, one of the things is the the battlescapes, uh, the battlegrounds, the areas where you actually fight and order your troops around. In the original game, they were kind of um, algorithmically, randomly generated. In this, uh, they're based around templates. I think there's still elements within them that may be randomised yeah, and stuff are. like that. They but, definitely are, yeah. but they're not as varied. And more than that, uh, in the original you could have your base invaded by alien forces and depending on how you'd chosen to lay out your base it was a top-down view and you lay down tiles 
that's how the level would be designed when the aliens arrived in your base. That was so cool. Um, and because obviously this base is like you say, it's like an, it's like an insect hive side on view. Um, it actually just wouldn't even work for the game, would it? So, uh, it's, it's a kind of a shame. I think that bit, um, it would have been difficult, I think, to do, but but yeah, that was something that was that even as you were, that was another thing to think about. So you're 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 saying right, I I want the expanded radar range, which was one of the things you could build in the original game. But if I put that there, next to that thing, if I put that next to the crew's quarters, then that opens up. That's a tactical weakness when the aliens invade, kind of thing. Thinking like that was another consideration. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head as to probably why they've steered clear of some of these uh, options, like having multiple bases and everything, um, which is because presumably first time you played through XCOM, you didn't know the enemy was the aliens would invade your no. base, no. and it's only by finding out that oh no, they've gone straight into our energy reactor, whatever it may mm -hmm. be, and disabled us completely. Well, next time around, I'll change it. It seems like what they've tried to do with XCOM is by not having multiple bases and so much to think of that you would you would get to learn by playing through the game multiple times. They've tried to make it so that it is a campaign you can play through once and not feel like you need to sort of pay for your mistakes and then and and redo next time. Um, you know, in terms of that sort of iterative process of learning these really complicated systems, I mm. think the idea is to try and make the systems a little more streamlined. The word, isn't it? That that sort of it may as well be XCOM Enemy Unknown Streamlined Edition because that's kind of the word that followed this game round when it was uh, released. Mm. That was what everyone mentioned, um, and I think that's what they've really gone for in terms of just making it um, not necessarily less complex but just maybe a bit easier to understand uh yeah. for someone who's not willing to play through a, a sizable campaign it, certainly you could you could spend somewhere in the region of 50 15 to 20 hours playing through this uh, campaign once through um and to expect people to be playing through it multiple times and failing multiple times and then retrying yeah that's how it was back in 20 years ago but not now and i'm pretty sure that's also how the guy that designed the frickin' satellite systems was thinking you know he was a fan of the old days because the game doesn't tell you pretty much bullshit about the satellites i mean it takes so long to get them up in there and what the, the main thing it doesn't tell you is that once you put these satellites up you get an immediate reduction in threat for yeah. any country that it's affiliated with mm -hmm. um i played yeah. far too much of the game without putting the satellites into space oh really oh, God. yeah I'm, I was the opposite, Jesus. I, I, mean, I made sure yeah. I got them up straight away. I've spoken but, but, to a lot of people about this, and a lot of people that just started the game like at launch mm -hmm. um, made the same mistake, you know, because it wasn't really explained that well, that if you mm. get the satellites up, immediate threat reduction, more money per month, and just there's a lot of other bonuses just associated with it. And I was looking at my troops on the ground and thinking, you know, Commander Leon Cox got shot in the balls last mission. <laughs> I think he would appreciate some armor. Yeah, the, I mean, that, that is the game in a nutshell, though, isn't it? It is the, I need this set of Titan armor for my my most beloved soldier. And, you know, the the permanent death we'll get onto when we talk specifically about the, the battles. But yeah. um, actually what you really need to do quite early on to play the long game is to get as many uh, satellite 
uh, hubs and nexuses down. Essentially, and then satellites in production. Josh, can yeah. I ask, how did you know that satellites were going to be your priority? I read a lot of reviews that said <laughs> satellites yeah. should be yeah. my priority. Yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely, that that advice. If, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't played the game, the the push to win button is get satellites and kind uh, of uh, kind of go with it. As far as your I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be you know smarter than thou about this, but it was. I, I thought from the description of the item, it pretty much tells you like clearly one of the first problems is massive panic panic on a massive scale mm. um and indeed even in the game that i've got going on currently which is generally going quite well i'm getting a's and b's every month from my report i'm mm. getting over a thousand credits whatever in i've lost like four or five big countries because they simply were you know overcome with panic before i could get those mm. satellites together even though i knew it was a priority but the first time it just yeah it was just like looking at the looking at the thing which says satellites reduce panic it's just like yes please i'm going to have that because it's just it's just logic isn't it it's the countries that are giving you the biggest income so keep the countries on side don't let them that, that's true but you'd be surprised how far you can get managing panic when the missions are just coming and and you happen to get a mission in a country that's starting to get a bit panicked and you yeah, know okay. that by completing that mission with guys who are kitted out just up to the nines with with really really great armor and weapons yeah that was my approach and the other thing is like i played the original just not long before the reboot hmm. and it didn't have the same emphasis on satellites you know that was completely different yeah it's yeah it's all about radar coverage in the original and that's why you have to have multiple bases because otherwise even with the the best ra radar technology you need bases on both sides of the planet and sometimes to the poles as well to to get maximum coverage um yeah i mean and that's another thing to learn is that you while you must cling to your higher ranked soldiers don't worry about rookies dying and at, at near the start of the game obviously you you'll want some rookies to come through the missions because otherwise you'll fail the mission but don't worry about rookies dying because they only cost 10 credits to replace whereas losing a country is like 150 credits a month so it's about the survival of humanity and there's a capitalist uh, no, you know, it's conflict about me. of interest. <laughs> um, and that's another thing uh, that, I, again, it's changed somewhat from the original, but the I do love the um, spotting UFO. You scan the planet, time speeds up, uh, UFOs are spotted in areas that you have satellite coverage in this game. And then you get to launch one of your interceptor craft. Now you have to pay for these, um, both by and they have a maintenance cost as well. You can upgrade their weapons significantly. Um, you can even create a whole new interceptor craft out of alien technology, which is very exciting. Um, the ship flies off. Um, one thing that's been taken out, another thing uh, you used to have to consider uh, fuel, I think, which you don't now. But there is still a time limit before you'll lose the alien uh, vessel. So you have to consider the, the armaments and uh, weapons that the enemy ship's got and, and the kind of weapons that you're sending out there to attack it with. Um, you can't send multiple interceptors at one time now. You can send them sequentially. But that's great. And I love the, you know, we'll talk about the cutscenes. They're not great. They're, they're, they're pretty low budget, low rent sort of. Um, graphics, but I love the the the, the little, little scene when you first take down a ship and and everyone in the on the sort of command decks cheering and stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. really satisfying. The one thing that I I'm actually quite disappointed in, like the the globescape, because I mm -hmm. used to love just 
putting it forward at like five minutes uh, intervals, mm. you know, just like nice and slow so that you can see the world slowly revolving. Whereas this one's yeah, a lot more like a skip thing. button, you know, it's just like, boom, you've got your craft. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, sort of Championship Manager, where you do everything you want to do, press a button, and it just ticks forward until the next important it event is, occurs, yeah. and that's exactly how this works. Yeah. You you do what you need to do, and time is moving forward slowly as during that Yeah, part. but it's, that's the thing. But, it's either pretty much real-time or super-time. Yeah, absolutely. And you push a button, and, and it just skips forward however many days until something else happens. Um, as far as interceptors go... I learned the hard way that I needed satellites, which meant that by the time I, my playthrough that I completed the, uh, this game on, um, all of my resources primarily into getting satellites up mm -hmm. and ready, secondarily into uh, making sure I had all of the facilities in my base sorted, and then came armor and weapons. So after that, interceptors, I ended up doing... I, I, I had loads of money left towards the end of the game whilst I was just waiting for a couple of key things to be built in my base before you can go and uh, take on the f sort of final uh, phase of the of the game um, and that's when I did all of my upgrading I I ended up just upgrading a load of ships and doing nothing with them because by that point in the game there weren't many interceptions happening um, yeah which meant I had this kind of binary state where on the one hand I, I'd got less and less and less able to intercept because the interceptors or the, the rather the enemy ships are getting more and more powerful generally uh, and I was just unable to take them down at all to the point where I had all these you know top top of the line interceptors and nothing to aim them at which was a little mm. unfortunate so I kind of missed yeah. that aspect of the game in terms of making any real tactical decisions other than bug out you're about to get blown up uh, which was my usual And again response. I think that's forgive me if I'm wrong but I think in the original you could basically sell stuff on off that you no longer needed right um which you can't really do if you've built if you've built a firestorm interceptor like what would a come what would XCOM do in in the real world they'd probably sell that that craft and that technology to the highest international bidder even if it was ethically unsound to do so in this game it just sits there in the hangar collecting dust which yeah again yeah. it's a kind of a shame i think yeah so i mean you used to get a nice little sideline on all the stuff that you took back from missions Whereas in this one, if you kill an enemy, uh, not only the enemy dies, but the equipment that they were carrying tends to blow up into little shards. Yeah, that's that's a change as well. You used to be able to, um, and in fact, in some cases, as I recall, you actually had to um, walk over a, and uh, interface with the space where somebody had died to pick up the stuff that they were carrying and things like that. Otherwise, it would get left behind, which is obviously the kind of game's design that's been left to the past. But yeah, you... You're right, you, you would get uh, enemy guns and stuff, which, yeah, they tend to explode now, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, various things are coming back to me. Um, but generally, I think, you know, it is it is obviously simplified and streamlined, but it's still really, really good fun, the base stuff. It always, it's it doesn't completely hold your hand. There, there is stuff like, if you don't, if you build, like a new, like a plasma cannon for your interceptors, it doesn't, it doesn't nag you about the fact that you haven't attached it. Uh, like it doesn't say, "Do you remember you built that really expensive gun? You should really attach it to your ship." It doesn't do that. If you if you make things and don't use them, or if you've got some really shit hot tech in your armory that you're not sending out on missions, the game doesn't, you know, remind you. It it it's not quite that 
sort of handholdy in its modern games designness, is it? Uh, well, I, I think it's interesting coming from my perspective, having not played the original XCOM. I'm kind of, I, I mean, I've heard a lot about the original, and I know it's yeah. a much more complex game. But when people refer to this game as simple, I, I am slightly stunned because yes, <laughs> there are a lot of things about it that are streamlined. But there's still a lot of things you have to take, you know, take into consideration and have yeah. to think about. And I feel like if it was any more complex than it is, then I probably wouldn't have played it because mm. it it would have gotten to that point where it was almost impenetrable for me. But at, at the point that it is, how complex it is um, in this game, it just felt it felt like just enough. Like I, it was enough for me to be constantly panicking about. Oh my god, I, I haven't, you know, put a satellite over Mexico or whatever. But it wasn't to the point where I ever felt like I couldn't handle what was going on. I don't think it's necessarily like the original, but if they just remade the original without all the streamlining and, you know, whatever, I don't think it would be any more complex than certain other modern games, which are now, you know, very lauded, like the Souls games or Monster Hunter and things like that. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't any more daunting than those. It might be daunting if you now played it after playing the reboot of XCOM. But I think if you'd gone into it and with all those possibilities there, but with the, you know, it's things like the things that make the original difficult to go back to and play are not the complexity so much as the actually commanding your troops around the battlefield and stuff like that is is way more fiddly. Well, that's a deal. I mean, in the original XCOM, what I would do is I would have like possibly usually about four soldiers that were just badasses, you know, like the the best troops that I had. Get them yeah. kitted up as uh, as well as I could, and then I would just send send them into battle as opposed to to my full squad, which I think was eight at the time. Yeah, I think you could actually. I think you could. Could you have even more? How yeah. many a Sky Ranger would hold? It was plenty anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a, a general troop. Had, I used to start off with it was about eight, but as it yeah. progressed and I got like decent uh, decent soldiers, I would cut that down to four just so that was less arsing around, you know. Yeah, yeah. just to speed up the the battlefields a little bit. They've still kept the uh, the shiv unit, so you can send you know hover ho- sort of drones into battle, basically to take the the early hits and stuff to mm-hmm. to recon, which is cool and do some damage. I, I was going to ask if if the if the comparison that might make most sense is one that we've touched on already, which is the difference between civilization and civilization revolution. Is that yeah. a fair comparison to make? And it's not that in civ rev there were any fewer systems necessarily it's just that a lot of the systems were behind the scenes and automated and you didn't need to worry about them whereas josh you and certainly i have played civilization 5 you know how much more in terms of uh not necessarily micromanagement but attention to detail you have to pay when it comes to civilization 5 over civ rev yeah and i think that's maybe the most apt comparison to make here it's not that xcom enemy unknown is is a simplified game necessarily it's just it's easier to understand perhaps Mm. um which is uh, i think the the um comparison you made to the the dark souls or monster hunter games uh sorry souls or monster hunter games uh is, Mm -hmm. is most apt because a lot of that a lot of the difficulty in those games is just not being told what a lot of the numbers on the screen mean or you know the way to handle certain battles or or resources or um upgrades and that sort of thing you're just not given the information and it's not that communities and the internet and gamers themselves even individually will be able to work it out it's just you know 
games are are made to be a little more accessible and i know accessible is a bit of a dirty word but it doesn't have to be a bad thing to say that that a game was accessible no i think it's um as i say don't get me wrong i'm not saying that i think this is inferior or dumbed down or anything like that i just think that for those of us who fondly remember the original Mm. there are just a few corners that maybe feel like shouldn't have been cut in terms I don't mean like in terms of laziness of development I mean in terms of tactical options just a few things that made that game just that little bit more demanding and challenging but as I say I love Civ Rev I think it's amazing so yeah yeah and it is like that the other thing is I mean like in the original XCOM it kind of felt like you were in control of the world whereas in this one for some reason just because it's it's so kind of concentrated on that bunker you feel mm. as though you're in control of uh, a little hole in the earth, and That's if something right. goes wrong, you send out your guys and they fix it. But the entire world as a whole kind of goes on without <laughs> you. You know, I like that kind of that sense of power that you had. You know, I kind of like that though. In this, that I, I felt like like there was no <laughs> hope whatsoever. Like it, it was only a fluke at the end that I won it, and it, managed to fend off the aliens. Yeah. Um, I, it, that it atmosphere does very much feel so like you and, and your mates are in a porta cabin somewhere in the middle of nowhere trying to work out you know how how you're going to defend the world against uh, against aliens it definitely has that feel and i think being in that sort of isolated underground bunker um and being cut off aside from a, a monthly report from the country's um you know assessing your performance and and granting you money and perhaps giving you a couple of bonus mission objectives um it 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 does feel like you are isolated and you are in not in the trenches because you're very much in command of of the group but you know you're distant from what whatever the rest of the world's experiencing which makes the missions where you have to go and um defend the populace from aliens um it feels a little like that's your only contact with with civilians really Uh, i i definitely got that sense yeah, and I mean, the, the soldiers in your army are obviously bored out their face because they're on the treadmill all the time. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about those actual fights then. You probably spend more time on the battlefield than in, in the Geoscape, by and large. Uh, and it's where yeah where the, the fun happens of blowing shit up and shooting guns and splatting aliens and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so much quicker and easier to control than the original. Um, it's untrue. Uh, so in the original, you had to uh, manually click on the square that you wanted to arrive on, which I suppose is not so different. Um, but then you would have to choose a facing afterwards, and whether they are crouching or standing. Um, elevation changes. Con- elevation changes. You'd have to constantly manage the their um, sort of action points bar. <clears throat> it was quite easy to misjudge uh, whether somebody had enough action points left or whatever to do what you wanted them to do if they for them to get to the right place and do it everything here you've basically you've got a move turn and a fire turn um certain perks and buffs do uh change this i love my double tap sniper um he's amazing the troops develop and rather than just going up in terms of numbers and strength they gain more perks which is a great system um it splits as you go down um I really like the way it just sort of decides what class a character is going to be based Randomly. on what he does. Yeah. Is it random it's, or is it based on... It's actually on... random. No, oh, okay. Um, but it, it seems to give you a decent spread. And then even within that, you can create quite different sort of um, units if you 
set out if you choose different perks and a different loadout for them. So even though there's only the handful of classes or whatever that there are, soldier, heavy, support, sniper, whatever, um, even within those you can make quite a variety of different troops. And then later in the game you get to factor in things like flying armor and stuff to which really you know kind of changes the the way the whole game plays in a way. I'm really curious to find out what kind of units you guys used, which uh, types of soldiers you preferred using on the battlefield. For me, the two that I needed were um, the heavies. No, sorry, the assault air troops. Because whenever like the aliens were like, bogged down, I would also always have someone with lightning reflexes just diving in to take that shot, not get hit, and then run into cover. So that uh, I would at least know where everyone was, and how to take them out with my sniper, which... Um, for him, I all well for her actually. My, my, strangely enough, my uh, female sniper was called uh, Jack for some reason. Oh, like out of Mass Effect. Yeah, or uh, Jack Bauer, you know. Hmm. And um, instead, <laughs> like I had two snipers. One was with double tap, and one was was with squad sight. Mm-hmm. And out of the yeah. two, I'd say squad sight is actually the the better one. Be- really? Okay. Yeah, because I was wondering about that. The thing is, I mean, like they're two damn good uh, skills, you know. But the thing about squad sight is, you don't get that much of a an aim penalty. And you can shoot pretty much anywhere on the battlefield that your uh, squad can see. So your sniper barely even needs to leave the, the starting square. Mm, you know, unless yeah, there's like I did the in same there. thing. Okay. I like that tip. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's worth saying that double tap and squad sight aren't necessarily the opposed perks because um, you, you have at your relevant um, military uh, levels, you've got often two perks you can take and um, squad sight, you could have squad sight and double tap. Oh, beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, I, I go for a balance. Um... In in the zone and double tap. So, in yeah, in the zone, um, if you had a sniper that was very mobile, you could move them to flank someone um, and you would basically get a free shot on them if if you killed them. Um, oh. you would That would be a free shot. So, you yeah, if you had a powerful sniper. Yeah, sorry, I was sort of remembering the skill trees the wrong way, you know. I did think yeah. that they were opposed to each other. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah, it's about a balance for me generally. Uh, one really shit hot sniper, uh, James the shit hot medic. Um, uh, the the main man is uh, heavy. Um, I love rockets. He's now got um, uh, a splinter or rocket, whatever it's called, shatter rocket. Can't remember. Um, and two shredder shredder rocket. That's it. Well done. Um, and two regular rockets uh, and a crazy amount of health and a really good set of armor. Um, and then probably one more of everything else, but with a spread of different weapons and stuff. Um, and just using, yeah, just trying to use the, the, the strengths of the characters. Um, so <laughs> after a while, they get a nickname applied to them, which is great, uh, even even if you've um, renamed the character. So I've got characters called Psycho and Geronimo. So, of course, they're the ones who go ahead. You know, they, they both go charging in always. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you got your the sniper who hangs back, obviously elevated if possible, and all that sort of thing. Um, and again, you know the the balance, or the, sorry, the variety of troops that you've got versus the the enemy variety, uh, which you know, and and by the la- well, I say the latter stages. I'm not sure I'm at the latter stages, but some way into the game, uh, different. There are there are enough different aliens to mean that the that every skirmish is is quite um, 
they, they become quite different to one another based on the especially based on the terrain you're in yeah i i really like the fact that um you would inevitably have multiples of the same class in your in your squad certainly once you've opened it up to uh, the maximum number of slots for your for your team um but yeah, I would always have two snipers. One of them would be a very mobile sniper who would mm. take in the zone, um, and uh, you know a, a lot of the perks that allowed well the perk that allowed them to uh, to uh, snapshot where they can shoot after they've moved rather than um, then I would have a, a much more stationary sniper that I would give the perks for elevation uh, and the perk for squad sight so that they could just tower above everyone and just absolutely run riot they would they got the executioner perk as well i think um and just made yeah. the speed of everyone um, i mean that's a deal i mean once your snipers get plasma plasma snipers uh, yeah. yeah it's good night for yeah. like the aliens i i i had two snipers as well but i both i i both made them quite um stationary units and um towards the end of the game you get the uh the jetpack mm-hmm. armor and um, you you equip that to the snipers. They go all the way up to the top of the map, and they just take out everyone <laughs> from a great distance. Um, I ended up really leaning on the the snipers towards the end of the game yeah. more so than any other unit. Um, I I like the assault units because they were really good at um, capturing aliens, which becomes really important later yeah. on. They're also really good um, with the reflex shots as well. Like um, you get yeah, those horrible yeah. skitter aliens. The chrysalids trying to come up. Oh, and... The chrysalids are the worst. Yeah, they are. They, they zombify. Uh, a lot of people hate the cyber discs. Uh, I think they're really cool when they they open up into their. They've got stylish animation. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're really cool. They're also absolute bastards because <laughs> they're even towards the end of the game when you've got um, t- you know really really good armor, some of the titan armor or um, you know the the ghost armor on your team. Um, they can still, if they get a, a clean shot on your your uh, a couple of your guys together, they can take out two people in one shot quite easily. Hmm. Um, they're incredibly dangerous, and they've got the two forms they're in as well. So they they um, and they blow up once you kill them. Yeah, yeah. So the, and mm. they have quite a big area of effect. So you you're always loath to run up with um, an assault who's got a shotgun to uh, <laughs> to do massive damage. I wouldn't say I was loath, but uh, he did end up getting uh, blown up in the face. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I really, you know, I like the original, uh, the little greys, the sectoids, um, and a lot of the, uh, virtually all of the aliens are from the original game in some form or another. Um, the one new one that I know of is the one that Julian Gollop creator of the original game has actually said he didn't like which thin is the man. thin man mm. how, do, how do you fellas feel about the thin man which is a humanoid um, reptilian i don't think that it kind of detracts from the game in any way but they definitely weren't mm. one of my more interesting aliens you know i tend to prefer the, the feeling that they were you know either stronger or more mentally adept where this guy just looked like a weak human that would poison everyone yeah explode into a stinky cloud of fart gas which mm-hmm. which poisons and they they kind of made the least sense based on the situation. That's the as thing. Well. I mean, it had this kind of like backstory for them trying to like uh, blend into the, units, yeah, yeah, they were trying to blend into the populace, but they were thin and horrible. You know, like it would take about ten seconds or something to say, "What the hell's the deal with this guy that stinks?" But <laughs> but, but also, you're in like full scale war with the aliens at that point. It, it just seemed like what. Okay, maybe early days the aliens were infiltrating governments and so forth and so on. But like this is happening 
you know, the, the cities are being blown up yeah. as we speak. I think people would be trying to look for the, you know, aliens in- infiltrating governments, and they kind of stand out. Yeah, they all look the same. They're all wearing those little uh, John Lennon shades and and uh, whatever. Yeah, um, but it does. It, I quite like the fact that uh, one thing we haven't said is um, for people who haven't played it. There's different kinds of missions. There's regular assaults. If you've shot down a UFO. Then the there'll be less crew and there'll be damage uh, on the ship, so cover will be different and stuff. If the UFO has landed, it's you're going to meet much more resistance, stuff like that. Brilliant stuff. But there's also uh, rescue missions. I think James mentioned where you you basically go near another human and and they run off to the ship. But uh, VIP missions are slightly different in that you have to manually yeah, get that person back to to the Sky Ranger, um, and those tend to be thin man heavy. Those missions, the way so back, the they certainly do. Yeah, they plop yeah. down. They just drop down on top of generally vehicles yes. and buildings at either side in pairs, and yeah, they can be quite tricky. Yeah. Snipers make short work of them though, because they're not terribly uh, big on health, and you usually get the first shot after they arrive. So, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing we're saying. Terrain is deformable in the sense that uh, most surfaces can be blown up with the right weapon. And it's, it's definitely one of the most satisfying ways to get a clear shot for your snipers. Yeah, um, and the, the sound effects are really good of, of uh, rubble and, and um, explosions and fire and stuff like that. Um, it has been rightly pointed out that there are a few glitches of line of sight and... Uh, and camera in this game it's not always perfect I mean one of the most annoying things for me I just started my Iron Man run okay mm. I was playing it on Classic and it, like in the very first mission um, an alien turned and shot through a solid wall to kill my guy yeah and I couldn't shoot back even though he would have been in the same line of sight as he had hit me with yeah and uh, just that one thing put me clean off the idea of playing it yeah, the outsiders on the um, any mission where you're attacking an alien ship, oftentimes they can get a shot on you because they just step around the cover for you know some unknown reason they're able to do that, mm-hmm. um, uh, or shoot straight through it. And yeah, you can't do the same, which unfortunately feels like the game's being unfair because I've heard a lot of people say that despite the fact it should be you know you're given a very clear percentage of chance that your your shot will connect mm. um i've heard a lot of people say that the aliens will nail more 10 percent shots than you will 60 percent shots they and absolutely like. do and i'm pretty sure yeah. that yeah. i mean i remember reading a, an article that said that it only felt like um the aliens had a better chance of it or um, the difficulty wouldn't actually change the percentages yeah. mm. and that's bullshit you know like um unless i've been really unlucky because i remember playing it on impossible mm-hmm. you know i stuck it on impossible just to see how it was like <laughs> and the aliens were easily hitting me with like ten percent shots, yeah. and I would be like missing like eighty percent, ninety percent, with a much greater frequency. And I wonder how much of that can be attributed to glitches like that, where they are able to shoot through a wall that shouldn't be able to, or something. And it's not actually the game system that's failing; it's uh, it's a, a glitch that somehow gives them line of sight when they yeah. don't have it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you if you then dial down the difficulty, um, I mean, it's only. Anecdotal evidence from me, like the way that I played it, but when it was in a lower difficulty, I was uh, landing a lot more uh, low percentage shots, and the aliens were fluffing a lot more high percentage shots. Uh, looking at a descriptor of the difficulty levels um, from the official forums, um, we, won't, we won't go through each one because there's four difficulties from easy to mm-hmm. impossible via normal and classic. Um, easy difficulty officially. Uh, this is how it's described. Base global panic starts at zero. 
Most alien activity only raises panic by one if left unchecked. Your soldiers have one bonus hit point. Aliens are dumber and there aren't as many of them. Soldiers cost ten dollars. Um, aliens, as you go up through normal and classic, it says aliens have their AI mostly unshackled. Um, and then alien AI is unshackled. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what that means. It might be that, because that, that was, an, uh, like I said earlier, I think the, the alien behavior was more interesting in the original game, even on that stuck bug first difficulty. I'm interested to play it again on classic and, impo or, and or impossible to see if the game is actually more tactically interesting, if the aliens have their AI quotes unshackled. Um, so on impossible... Base global panic starts at 16 two per location. Uh, if unchecked alien activity causes at least two panic, but will often cause even more. Your soldiers have minus two hit points. All aliens receive bonus hit points, accuracy, critical change and or damage. Uh, alien AI is unshackled. You receive no officer training school. There are even more aliens per map and soldiers cost more. And the electrodes must be ta attached to your genitals at all times. Just sounds horrible. And of course, the other the other thing, yes, is Iron Man difficulty, which I I sort of approve of, but I've I've shied away from so far. <laughs> which is the it's constantly saving your state, and you can't go back. So there's no reloading because you lost your favourite medic, James Carter, or whatever. Yeah, uh, Iron Man mode was single handedly responsible for adding sixteen hours to my gameplay time. Right. Um. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> possibly rather stupid to start my first XCOM game in you know in anger despite having played a little bit of the first one it's um, like fire emblem mode basically on, on on iron man mode but so many people when the game was coming out were saying no iron man mode's kind of like the way it should be played you know and then um, a guy shoots you through the wall yeah it, it people who say that are sort of ignoring the fact that the original pc game you could keep as many saves as you wanted so it's not not quite true there are there is a certain amount of bravado in like uh, online forums and people saying this kind of stuff where it's just like anything that makes the game harder they're like this is exactly what we want and then yeah. very few people actually back it <laughs> i i think for, for me it's you know the bugs we mentioned and stuff Chrysalids. like that kind of put <laughs> and chrysalids <laughs> kind of put me off uh trying iron man mm. mode whereas i've recently purchased uh fire emblem awakening which feels like a much fairer game and so i've been tempted to go for the uh permadeath playthrough um but also not only that um i really hate the fact that the moment you encounter aliens they get a free turn yeah that is i just bullshit. feel that's completely unfair and I, I really hope if they do get a chance to make another one of these they remove that because that's not a glitch that's a design choice that gives the aliens an unfair advantage yeah because that didn't happen in the original you know like uh, since you never played it that's what i was going to say compared compared to the original what happened was you got the first turn because you landed in that area so the idea is that the aliens have been you know merrily doing whatever they've been, been doing for a while yeah, yeah. yeah um but then after that, then it's just, you know, the game opens up in terms of it is a turn-based game. You take a turn, they take a turn, you take a turn, and so on. And there is no, there is none of that There's no discovery trigger. The There's yeah. no, tr yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, I would, uh, yeah, I would agree. That is a contestable design choice. Not contemptible, but contestable. The, the original game actually has a map 
and effectively a fog of war over it, but mm-hmm. everyone gets their turn. What's happening underneath the fog, you may not be able to see, but it's, right. it's quote-unquote fair. Whereas yep. at this point, particularly when thin men drop or you um, first uncover um, a sectoid, it has... You know, you may just have moved. It may be in the middle of your turn. You may have just moved your um, your character to within line of sight of them. They appear on in front of you, and then they scuttle to cover. That that feels like they're getting a free turn, even though that's really just a little cutscene playing to sort get them is, yeah. into the game, as it were. Yeah. But it's yeah. not ruinous. I don't. No, I, just, I don't think it's not ruinous. It's just a small thing where you're like, oh come on, I don't get a free turn when they, you know, spot me. Get, it's yeah, just, saying, yeah. yeah, it's just an unfair. If the aliens just had better equipment and you know were more powerful, I'd be okay with that. But that just seems like a design choice that gives, you know, that gives the the aliens a one up for no reason at all. Yeah, and they also tend to be pretty much psychic. You know, what it reminds me on is, you know, like in a standard. Uh, Japanese tactical RPG when there's a story section and all the units bugger yeah. off to like pre-planned places so that the battle can yeah. start in earnest. It feels like a story section that is part of the gameplay. And it's yeah. not... It just isn't what I want, you know? I want to be able yeah. to surprise these little shits. The first contact yeah. that I make with them should be a sniper bullet in the back of their skulls. It's very much ameliorated later in the game by your, all your sort of, um, you know, quick response perks and things like that, because often you do get a shot at them as they appear. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because it's, so it, it, it's not like the game completely wrestles control away from you at that point. If you've got people who are looking at these if aliens already, who yeah. have opportunity fire, then they will, sh- they will shoot them, um, which I, I think makes it a little less punitive. But yes. Uh, time is running on. We should take some listener correspondence. Um, before we do, uh, Josh and I had a brief uh, word about trying to get some multiplayer in before this recording. We failed um, for various reasons. Uh, have any of you attempted the multiplayer? Nope. No, no, didn't it just didn't interest me. I think had it been a case of you know um, one of you guys or someone I knew wanting just to play a, a game, I might have been more interested, but. The mm. thought of jumping on and playing a random person just didn't interest me at all. I'm much much happier playing Probably against much the Probably exactly the same. And I think the multiplayer could have been kind of cool if you had like a co-op squad commander kind of thing. Mm. You know, you had two units and you had to kind of like um, back each other up doing your own thing. But, I don't believe um, it has any sort of um, sort of progression in the multiplayer. I think it's just uh, one-off battles. There's yeah. been a little there's been a little DLC. Um, I actually, you know, I like the idea in the sense that. I really, you know, Laser Squad ne- uh, Nemesis, the the asynchronous turn-based one, and um, Frozen Synapse are both fantastic games. They're really, really cool. I like that because, especially as somebody who isn't the best at shooters, you know, reaction games and Twitch and all that sort of thing, I like the fact that it can come down to, you know, a tactical decision rather than, uh, you know, who was quicker or who had the better controller or whatever, you know. Or happy accidents and Frozen Synapse's case. <laughs> yeah that too um but yeah i just haven't played it like like you say i didn't fancy playing it against randoms particularly no. um but i would i would i would happily play it against yeah and i mean taking se- uh, frozen synapse into consideration you know i like the fact that you could do it on your own time you didn't have to be there with each other at exactly the same that's moment. how they should have done it they should yeah. have done it asynchronous uh skulls of the shogun which came out recently has got an asynchronous multiplayer which is very similar uh, actually controls really similarly to XCOM. Um, and uh, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
Uh, Darren, would you care to read Christoph84's uh, post? And some of these I've taken from the forum from around the time the game was released, just to, uh, to get a sense. Um, these weren't specifically all uh, written to be read out, but I'm sure people will understand. Certainly. Christoph84 says, Great fun and really bloody stressful at times. David Bex Beckham is my ace sniper, one of my three day one survivors. Others have come and gone, but I know Bex has got my squads back. The class system with all the perks adds a lot to the gameplay for me, though I'm struggling to keep my support guys alive past Lieutenant. Can't stop thinking about playing the bloody thing. Yeah, Cream and Edge says, I find it impossible to just have a short game. It's so easy to just keep going for one more mission until suddenly hours have passed. I booted up Steam last night for something to do for 30 minutes or so before bed and was still going three hours later. I'm not sure about customising my guys, it's too easy to get attached. I was absolutely gutted when my 8-mission veteran assault dude Shotgun Jackson got caught out of position and murderized by the unexpected appearance of a thin man right at the end of a rescue mission, but I'm playing a self-imposed rule of no restarts, so he's got to stay dead. Yep, that's yeah, how it's got to be. Definitely. And all my guys had Gail haircuts, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually um, because uh, that that uh, the ability to completely customize armor and, and stuff came with uh new copies physical copies um but you have to buy a separate dlc otherwise uh even if you got the code from uh the game from steam for pre-ordering bioshock infinite so i need to actually that's the elite soldier pack is that right? yes yeah, yeah. I, I never bothered customizing my guys but what i did do uh, and generally like you leon if there was if there was a scottish flag came up then i would, I would put darren's name or or um paul rooney's name in there but <laughs> generally what I did was just kind of leave them, but the one thing that I did edit, and it's going to be um, sort of pertinent to the next comment that we've got, mm. is um, I, I didn't use colour coding. What I did was I put in brackets just a three-letter code after um, their name to say whether they were a support, assault, or sniper, uh, or heavy. I'm telling heavy you, it would actually be pretty strange if you put SNP after my name. <laughs> Because I was a sniper, <laughs> so uh, I can't remember. I think probably was SNP for sniper. Actually, what what I actually <laughs> ended up doing because I ended up with six different classes. Essentially, once you'd sort of, t I ended up with two paths for each uh, of the of the classes that I was using, and so I had numbers one through six, and I knew that number five was my mobile sniper, and number six was my stationary one for example. But yeah, I definitely mm. customised them in that way so that on the battlefield you can just see from their name who they are and, and what their um, what their role is because I ended up with um, playing on Iron Man mode. I, I, I tried to make sure I had backups as much as possible. So it would have been nice to get to know the, the names really well enough, but when I was changing between two and sometimes three different people in one position of, on my team, it, it was really helpful to have that number there just so I knew who was who and, and what what they should be doing on on any given map. Yeah, that's one thing we haven't mentioned actually is the, the system of uh, wounded soldiers. So uh, if, if you go back from a mission uh, with damage, um, that soldier will be out of action for some time depending on the severity and stuff. And if they've had the shit blown at them completely, it can give them a permanent... Uh the blood of effect on their willpower. I didn't even know that. Yes, willpower. There, there's another thing we haven't mentioned, the the panic factor. Yeah, basically, if your guys are getting shot up in battle and everything's turned into shit, they will usually freak out and start shooting your own soldiers. Yeah, which is pretty funny, but also pretty horrific in yeah. the sense Mainly that... Mainly the second one. Mainly, mainly the, the second one, one because... <laughs> 
everything's just about going okay, and then they panic, and yeah. suddenly everything's <laughs> gone to crap. Chrysalid yeah. comes out of the woodwork, turns someone into a zombie, starts lumbering towards Soldier, who starts blind firing all over the place. Yes, I had a VIP mission. Uh, I was on the extract <laughs> fra- phase of the VIP mission um, when the man who was kind of covering escorting the VIP on the way out uh, decided to shit his pants <laughs> and uh, shot the VIP in the face <laughs> ending the mission oh, so yeah hilarious yeah. but also tragic <laughs> Josh uh, Gary Blower's comment uh, colour coding related uh, Xanteriad says I use colour coded uniforms for the classes so I can spot them easily on the battlefield red for heavy Yellow for assault, black for sniper, white for support. The final mission on XCOM is savage. Be warned. Level up everything. And I'm going to say it, the ending is shit. It's a very good game, slightly tainted by a naff final chapter. And I would agree with that 100%. The final mission in this game is nowhere near as good as the Assault in Sidonia. D- does he mean story-wise? I, I assume not. I assume he means... Uh, I'd assume both. Of, yeah. Like The story does fall to shit right at the end, you know? But like that entire final chapter, I thought it was just, it felt like a really bad tutorial. Yeah. The, the thing for me was the story was never the crux of the experience. Mm. So when it started, when the aliens started saying all this weird stuff to me, I was barely paying <laughs> attention. Yeah. Because for me, uh, XCOM had been very much a mechanics focused game with a really cool 1950s sci-fi atmosphere um so yeah the ending story-wise didn't bother me too much i do agree that gameplay wise it was kind of rubbish yeah i mean the thing there is that you can have a pretty poor story but still enjoy the kind of like set pieces you know and like um, that last set piece which is the whole chapter going through the alien battleship was just it was so drawn out so slow it just it's a really inferior end of the, the game you know not not to it's lower your expectations too much, Leon. <laughs> no, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. A lot of expectations I'm, will serve him better because yeah. he might not quite be quite as yeah. disappointed. I think. Yeah, I, I'm well aware. If, if I was to be generous and maybe play devil's advocate, I wonder if what they were trying to do with with that those series of rooms as you move through the battleship is try to test all of the different scenarios you've been put in throughout the game and all the different enemies you've had to face to see how flexible your team is. Um, when faced with sort of room after room with all the sort of different type of enemies and different potentials, sort of not not environments because it's all just inside the ship. But um, yeah, I do wonder if the idea was to to do that. Dante Fireseed loved it from start to finish as a fan of the originals. I wish it were a bit longer and there was more to build and research as well as the ability to have multiple bases. But these are minor gripes, really. Fantastic game and one of my contenders for my personal 2012 game of the year. Leg of Time says, first XCOM game I've played. While the story is largely non-existent, only really there to link the main combat missions, the mechanics really shine. Lots of tactical options, with each turn with, uh, with repercussions if you make an error. Permadeath of your soldiers makes sure you're very careful when positioning them, and that you use each class to their strengths. Can get very tough at times, but not unfairly so, except when it bugs and spawns in enemies right next to your soldiers. Can specialise to an extent with the base building, but really need to concentrate on satellites to be able to get anywhere. Would have preferred a more in-depth building system, optional upgrades for each building, etc. But overall, excellent game with lots of replayability. 
agree with everything he says yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Buckled Kipper says, really enjoyed this game. For me, there's a huge gap in the market for this genre on the home consoles. I love a good tactical game, but often feel overwhelmed by the pace of most RTS games. For me, this is second only to Valkyria Chronicles in this genre, with both games capturing the feeling of loss when you lose a soldier spot on. Definitely. Um, there is. Uh, I do like the memorial wall that is there, but I do think they should have gone down the cannon fodder route of actually... A big overflowing graveyard. A big overflowing graveyard. No, I was thinking more of... Um, you, you, go, you can go into the memorial wall at any time as an option and some uh, eulogiac uh, bagpipe music plays, which is great. But I think at the end of each mission where anyone died, you should be forced to watch the names slowly scroll up the screen to the bagpipe music. I think they, I think they bottled out. And it should have a slow motion replay. A slow motion replay of them actually getting blown to bits. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you wanted us to have to build a, a, a morgue and then a cemetery in our base. <laughs> really, <laughs> sort of focus on the morbidity of the whole thing. Definitely. I'll tell you what would have been pretty crazy. If they, if you were able to capture a, a chrysalid, and then make it just reanimate your soldiers, <laughs> zombie soldiers, just like, <laughs> oh, God. like uh, you could mind control like the corpses, you know. <laughs> go zombie army, go! <laughs> Hello, that is that is not a bad option for the sequel. Some kind of chrysalid capture because you can capture uh, cyberdisc drones, can't you? Um, later in the game by improving your uh, arc thrower, whatever it's called. I never did. I was wondering about that one. Yeah, um, you can. It's optional, obviously, um, but uh, yes. Yeah, so you can you can have you can recruit them live in real time, as it were, even in a turn-based game. But yes, the the idea that you could actually, yeah, I mean that's a good point. How do the zombie, the undead army that the chrysalids make, know to attack you and not anyone else? Well, they eventually birth into an alien, don't they? So I always got the impression that they've been impregnated that, with an yeah, alien they're, that's controlling they're basically their body. Like facehuggers, you know? Sort of hive yeah. mind thing. Yeah. Uh, Josh, take the final post from the forum. Okay. Uh, Dom's Beard says, big fan of the original on the PlayStation and Terror from the Deep 2. They were both hard as nails but fair. The base management was in-depth. After the other XCOM trailer, I was really disappointed that they weren't going to bring over, uh, bring over all the other aspects from the original series and thought they'd sold out. Then this one was announced and I was made up. Tried to hold off buying it day one, but I lasted a week after hearing that it was similar to the original. I wasn't disappointed. It brought back fond memories as well as being a good game in its own right. The adrenaline rush when you realise you've put one of your team in the firing line accidentally was still as good. Slight grumble was the base building was nowhere near as detailed as the originals, but I'll forgive them. If you're listening to this and, and not picked it up yet, I'd recommend waiting for the iOS version if you've got an iPad, as it will be perfect for it. Tom's beard there already... Obviously, had hands-on with the iPad version. Yeah, I mean, I would <laughs> also recommend. That, yeah, I would also recommend that the PC original is like ten quid now, so that's also a good option. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we have one to give away later in the issue. Um, the only thing I wanted to 
pick up Dom's beard on was uh, saying that he thought they'd sold out. I don't think that's really the case because, you know, the idea of the XCOM shooter, because none of the original people were involved. So it was, it, it, this was a case of where an old IP had changed hands multiple times and was now in the hands of some people who didn't know what to do with it. It wasn't like either the original Microprose or, or the original Mythos games who made the original The Gollop Brothers said, I know what'll be good, we'll do a shooter. This was, a, you know... It, it, accusing somebody of selling out i don't know it's that it doesn't sit right with me when it's not the the same creative people as the original but i uh, sell out all the time i've got no problem with it yeah and also who cares no i mean <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i agree but uh i agree with everything else you said dom's beard <laughs> for those three word reviews again uh, starting with Jay Taylor who uh, is playing my old 360 copy at the moment and he says he's always getting killed they would sort of do cyber discs are bastards Sneaky David says sublime occasionally unfair Leg of Time says excellent tactical mechanics Techie Rob says aliens terrorising Glasgow Fury AC3 underlying financial operations Mr. Cuddleswick says, Rookies get burst. Eddie J. Baker says, Genuinely mourned soldiers. Pixel Omen says, Substance over style. Quench design. Death. Tantrum reset. Super the Andres says, We're all aliens. Philosophical. (laughs) Count Steck says, Reignited uh, strategic fun. And Alfred Fank says, Reboot Done Right. Uh, Thanks to all of you three-word reviewers. Quite a few new names in there, I noticed. Um, Thanks for getting involved. Perhaps these are people we recruited through the recent Dark Souls podcast. Mm. Uh, So, to sum up then. uh, Darren, you've already said you recommend picking up the PC version, but um, give us your just overarching thoughts about XCOM. Well... I enjoyed the game, but I am slightly conflicted about it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because what happens in this game is that halfway through it, um, there's a lot less of the back end. Um, basically, all the stuff that you're developing, which is so exciting for a start, tends to peter out. You know, like plasma is the it's the ultimate kind of weapon you can get. And once you've got that, all the other stuff isn't quite as interesting. And the alien invasion seem to ramp up in frequency. So what's exciting and fresh and new at the start seems to become a slight trudge towards the latter half of the game as you're just trying to get everything researched. 
and the missions start to feel more like, more like a grind, you know, that you're not doing it for technology, um, you're not able to develop exciting new things. And I thought that was kind of a shame, topped off with the absolutely terrible end uh, sequence. But at the same time, I do love this style of game, and despite the, a couple of bugs that would uh, happen throughout my playthroughs, um, I really enjoyed just playing the game, you know, I think that the base combat system was really good, it just could possibly use a little bit more, uh, it could expand a little more for a sequel, you know. Um, I also think that while you've got several types of missions, like um, bomb defusal and escorting VIPs, I think if it would benefit the game as a whole if there were more like story ones, like that would happen at certain points that were, you know, they put a lot of effort into. You know, just like standout set pieces to kind of give you memorable battles. And yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend it just because there's such a lack of anything like it on the market nowadays. And it is a high quality thing. It's just that I feel that in comparison to the original, it falls just a little short in what I would want out of it. Still a very good game, but maybe not quite up to the standard that I was hoping for. Well, um, yeah, uh, starting with the issues I have with it, um, I suppose, yeah, a few little camera glitches and a few line of sight issues, and yeah, which occasionally can translate into spots of unfairness and frustration but to be honest overall the game is nowhere near as frustrating as the beloved original um most of the streamlining is is welcome to be honest but not all of it there are a few things which i think it's lacking compared to the to the the classic original in terms of scope um and yes the presentation is fine but it's a little bit it it doesn't feel quite as kind of glossy and triple A as I was hoping for the reboot to feel. Those cutscenes are perfectly adequate and, and the voice acting and all that is is fine, but I was hoping even at, even on the battlefield itself, you know, it looks it looks fine. It's it's more than functional, but it's not quite as kind of amazing looking as I was hoping for and stuff. But um most of the brilliance of the original XCOM is there, um, but much, much easier to control, much quicker to play uh still got that delicious tension when you're on the battlefield and even when you're just trying to research things before the uh before the next UFO makes its presence known um as the globe spins and you're actually just you're literally just watching the numbers count down before your next satellites in the air hoping that there isn't another fight to be done even though you're going to enjoy that fight that amazing uh facet of the outside of the combat stuff feeding into it and vice versa so that the stuff that you retrieve from the battlefield comes back with you to the to the other part of the game and stuff still as just compelling as ever that whole spinning plates thing of juggling your finances and the time and your soldiers and needing the, to kit them out with the right things and but also not have countries desert you and stuff there's just always something to think about and and as our correspondents have said that's what can turn what you plan on being a, a very brief session into a very long one um so overall my i will always have a massive amount of affection for the original um and i do genuinely intend to go back and play my my steam copy one day to the end get to sidonia kill the mother brain whatever um but this almost is almost as good as I hoped for when, when it was announced uh, with those few caveats, similar to the ones Darren mentioned, really. James? Um, yeah, I would echo a lot of what you and Darren have said, Leon. I think 
for me, I started off on normal uh, Iron Man and twice I got to eight hours in and had to restart. Well, let me clarify. Oh, Didn't have to restart, chose to restart. I should say that. Yeah. Um, first time round, uh, three company, three countries had abandoned me and about four more were on their way. Um, and and I was building satellites at that time, but they weren't going to be ready in time for the end of the month and that would have signaled when they would have abandoned me. So it was getting really close to just being impossible to continue. Uh, so second time around, I started again uh, and focused much more on building satellites and just got demolished at the uh, the alien... Um, it's alien base infiltration, isn't it, at that point? Um, yeah. Sort of halfway through Is the it, campaign, yeah. the, uh, the, yeah. the phase yeah. three of your um, your campaign. Um, I just got demolished and um, and was left just with rookies who were completely untrained. So it took a, a third time for me to really nail it. And I think the problem that I saw that third time through was the campaign felt much more linear. This sounds really odd to say. It felt much more linear than I expected it to. Um, I, what I'd heard of XCOM was that it was procedurally generated to a degree that you would want to play through the game again not just to see if it was different but because on one playthrough you may actually not really be able to complete it and you may have to then try again and see if if luck rolled in your favor a bit more um mm. and what i found having played through sort of halfway through the game twice and then a full way through on an iron man uh, playthrough was that actually I kind of felt like at that point I could see all the systems and I knew how to play to win. And, yeah. and the thing is, I mean, just to back up what I was saying there, yeah, I mean, yeah. even though you've got all these choices throughout the campaign, mm. there's a, a very obvious sequence of events that uh, tends to happen yeah. each and every day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it felt very, very linear in that respect. And it, it it's completely distinct what you're doing in the base and the way the missions are going on the whole to what's happening on the ground, which is very much, you know, luck plays a big part in that. You can just get lucky with a shot or you can get lucky with the way that the aliens drop into an environment or, you know, the the way the environment happens to be built can suit the way that you're playing. Um, and that all felt like... It, it felt like when you won, you discovered how to, to win that... to, to defeat the the enemy or complete the mission objective it felt like you'd discovered that whereas the third time i was playing through that game in terms of the overall story arc and the overall sort of uh path i was following i didn't feel like i was discovering anything anymore uh, and that was a bit disappointing uh, it's maybe unfair to, to hold that against them because all games that have a story tend to tend to play that way but i just felt it was unnecessary to have that be the case um, there's no, there's no reason that if the, if the, the tactics and then the, the sort of overall strategy that you're employing for your, your base, um, are fun enough, which I think they are. There's no reason you have to be sort of tied down to this fairly linear progression through how the game's going to go. And I, I really strongly feel that satellites are so important that there is kind of a, a one-win strategy. Um, there's only really one way to to complete the game. Obviously, on easier difficulties, there may be more room for that. But I didn't feel like there was much in the way of flexibility to experiment with your overall strategy in terms of how your your base and your research and your priorities were were structured. Um, which is fine, but it, it it put me off wanting to go and play through again. Uh, that said, 
this the the actual tactical missions and the way that I played through those I I loved I loved getting a feel for uh how I would use my snipers uh and build the team around them um playing with the different perks and building up a, a roster and a squad and uh getting to the end and having uh, Darren save the day um was was very sort of uh very satisfying consistently all the way through the game and I think that's what they really nailed um and it would be great to see them really sort of expand upon that next time around. Mm, definitely. And Josh? Um, I, I agree with quite a lot of what's already been said. So I'll simply add that I really liked the game. I thought the, um, uh, you know, despite some niggles that everyone's already mentioned, I thought the tactical gameplay was really fun. I really fell in love with the... 1950s kind of sci-fi aesthetic all the voice acting was super over the top and cheesy but i loved it because it just it it fit the atmosphere that that game was trying to create i don't think it's um you know best in breed i think i agreed uh agree with um buckled kipper uh, i think it was who mentioned that valkyria chronicles is actually a superior game uh, in many ways, and I think it's a better example of how to modernise this genre. And recently I've been playing Fire Emblem Awakening, which I also think is a much better designed and fairer strategy experience. But, uh, you know, apart from that, it, it yeah, it's a really good example of the genre, and I highly recommend it. I will say, though, that um, Valkyria Chronicles and Fire Emblem and Shining Force, which was my original favourite uh, mm. strategy RPG, they don't have the same back end that this game does, so I wouldn't mind seeing some more of that and strategy games going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, we do have a copy, courtesy of Darren, Base Management Mishap Gargette. Now, I, that was his three-word review. I don't know what happened. Does anyone know what happened to Gargle's base? He made everyone a living quarter and forgot to stick in the power. <laughs> Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he has a spare Steam code for the PC version of the game, obviously. Um, you can win it. You can have it. It's a giveaway, really. All you have to do, uh, each time a new podcast goes out on Kane Rince, there is a thread for it in the forum. I'm not talking about the thread for XCOM. I'm talking about the thread for issue 78 of the podcast. If you post in there before 1st of May 2013 midnight on the 30th of April uh, you will be entered into a draw all you have to do is say I want to win that copy of XCOM and you will be chosen at random for all the people who do if it's only one person you'll win it imagine that so there you have it that's all you got to do also if you dress up like Kane from Bender and Bane and take a little YouTube video you begging for it you automatically win uh Disclaimer. That, no, that's not <laughs> that case. doesn't actually A happen. begging for Although, one, B, let's not make promises we can't follow through on, Darren. D Darren may buy you a copy of XCOM or another <laughs> game of your choice if you dress up as Kane from let, Binary Domain. Let's be honest. He'll buy you Binary Domain. Yeah. Okay. You can play along with Kane and Rince Volume 2. Binary Domain isn't included because we've already done it. Uh, Uncharted Drake's Fortune is, as is Shin Megami Tensei Persona 4. I believe that Persona 4 Golden no longer has the Shin Megami Tensei prefix. You, 
Yeah, I feel like they're separating the Persona mm. series from the Shin Megami Tensei mm. series now, just because it's more popular yeah. than anything else in that yeah. series. You yeah. can talk about that on the show if you like. It's Indeed. your show. Uh, it's going to be four hours long. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably still be shorter than the Dark Souls show. Yeah. Uh, then we have Tale of Tales. Uh, they're a developer who do indie things. <laughs> Obscure, artsy-fartsy stuff. Uh, that would be with James. Then back to mainstream Sunday afternoon shenanigans of mass murder with Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Driver San Francisco. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception, of course. We may even talk a little about the Vita one, which I now have as well, if I can be asked to play it. Fez, out soon for other formats. Aliens, Colonial Marines, Dishonored, Minecraft, Tomb Raider, this year's one. El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, DMC, Devil May Cry, this year's one. Deadly Premonition and the Director's Cut, which is out tomorrow at the time of recording. Starwing, Lilac Wars or Star Fox and Star Fox 64. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory, Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy, Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonauts, and Heavy Rain. And that takes us up to the end of Volume 2, Issue 100. Was that Yorkshire twang intentional on Tom Clancy? or, or No, I just can't, can't, I can't not do it. Can't, can't help myself. Tom Clancy. Take a look at our Quick Rinse videos. They're on the blog and on the Cane and Rinse YouTube channel. Twitter is at Cane and Rinse, facebook.com slash Cane and Rinse. Subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. There's also a periodical iBook you can download from us. Uh, we have a Minecraft server. We have a DayZZ server, <laughs> I believe. And there may be some more community game nights coming up, possibly. But join the community anyway, just to have your say on the podcasts and games in general. com slash forum. Just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren Foreman, James Carter, and Joshua Garrity. And we shall return... Next issue. And now here's some music from Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> <laughs>